Hey, boy, my friendly and well, welcome to Love Las Vegas. The Coast Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beats and Family Podcast, and we've got a great podcast for you in the second segment. We've got Ian McMillan coming up. He's going to be talking about what he's all noticed this season, does a great job with fan-sided's coverage of sports betting with Betsided. also does the Bacon Bets podcast, so we're going to talk to him about any teams that have stood out. We've got a lot of big spreads that are going to be on the board today as well, so how he winds up playing these games as well. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis for every game on the betting board for this College Basketball Tuesday as we hit some bank shots first things first. Always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. First way is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other ways via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. This first segment is going to be relatively short because I really didn't get any Twitter questions into this podcast today, other than why in the world did we wind up seeing so many points in the Cleveland State versus Oklahoma State game? So let's take a look back at that. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Saw a lot of teams playing against non-D1 competition and none of the non-D1 foes really put a scare into any of these teams. They're really just not noteworthy in general. But you did see Northern Illinois go on the road and knock off Chicago State by a count of 70-59 to in a relatively pick-em line when it wound up closing. He wound up having, I believe, 29 points in the final three minutes to be able to push this one over as Chicago State. Sloppy in this one. 18 turnovers, 17 of 31 at the free throw line. Still improved. I mean, this is a game that two years ago, Chicago State would have probably lost by about 50, but Northern Illinois, they were also sloppy. This was not a battle of two great teams. 16 turnovers for them, and they did wind up going 21 of 32 at the free throw line, but for Northern Illinois, they win this game thanks to going 7 of 14 from three-point range with Trenton Ankerson, giving you 13 points, chipped in their six boards, and then you had 19 points from Mr. Keyshawn Williams to be able to lead the way. Leading the way with regards to a cover was Princeton as they wind up taking down UMBC by kind of 89 to 77 for Princeton. They once again shot quite well in this game. Shot 51.5% from the floor, 10 of 29 from three-point range as you wind up having a double-double out of Ethan Wright who wound up giving the team 20 points, 13 rebounds. And then when you take a look at UMBC, they were able to get a relatively solid performance out of LJ Owens who was able to chip in their 14 points on zero rebounds, assists, steals, or blocks, which I find to be absolutely hilarious. Princeton winds up losing the battle on the class by a count of 37 to 31, but efficiency was big for them. Six turnovers to just 13. That is classic Princeton basketball right there, and they were able to get that done. Portland and Cal Poly played a really good game to end the night. You wind up seeing Portland get the win at the buzzer by a count of 78 to 77 as Portland winds up going 11 of 25 from three-point range. Christian Sojlin, who winds coming over from Georgia Tech, he had 20 points. He was able to bury five threes in this game. And for Cal Poly, much improved team. They were able to get 27 points out of Trevin Taylor, who winds up going 10 of 10 at the free throw line. Overall, Cal Poly 15 of 19 at the free throw line. But this was a side at the free throw line, not because they shot bad. It's just that Portland shot really well. 17 of 19 at the free throw line. As he also wound up having a big performance out of Tyler Robertson. He was able to give Portland 16 points, 7 assists, pair of guys that are early on in their goings with a new team with regards to the coaches in this one. Certainly doing a solid job. Your big upset of the night came in the form of Albany as a double-digit underdog right around 15.5 to 16, winning outright against Boston College. So the misery of the ACC continues. 61 to 57 the final for Albany. They wound up going 8 of 16 from three-point range. This is an Albany team that they have not necessarily been terrific this year, but Devondre Perry was able to give you 16 points, three boards. He was able to do a nice 
nice job. And then for Boston College, they wind up winning the rebound battle by a count of 41 to 26. But they wound up committing 13 turnovers in this game. They really have not been going with a big rotation whatsoever. They went seven men deep in this game, and they went five of 16 from three-point range. Just Albany, just really efficient on offense, and they were able to get it done for a very nice win for them. Columbia, it's been a rough year for them, and it continued. Sacred Heart took them down by a count of 79 to 69, and this was really bad if you were a backer of Columbia, much like I was. They wind up getting up by a count of 43 to 36, and then from there, they go on this cataclysmically bad run in which I believe that they were outscored by a count of 20 So that wound up being the big killer for them, along Tyler Thomas being able to chip in their 19 points, 5 boards, did a great job. And Aaron Clark, who's been dealing with a little bit of injury, wound up chipping in their 8 assists as well. UW-Milwaukee might have one of the most brain-dead coaches in all of college basketball. Pat Baldwin Sr. did not do a very good job in this game as Pat Baldwin Jr. wound up sitting, I believe it was something like 13 minutes in the first half when he picked up two fouls, finished with six points at Rhode Island, 82-58. to They wind up winning this game. Saw a lot of technical fouls in this game as the Mitchell brothers were able to manhandle things down low for Rhode Island. It combined 25 points, 18 rebounds, pair of blocks, and for UW-Milwaukee, 522 from three-point range. It's just a case in which I have no idea what UW-Milwaukee is doing right now with regards to coaching, so that's about a little bit of an issue. North Dakota State, one of the slower teams at all of college basketball, got sped up by Indiana State. Indiana State doing a good job of being able to push tempo, but for North Dakota State, Free throw efficiency was big for them at 12-13, and they wound up taking down Indiana State by kind of 77-70. Indiana State has been relatively solid to the over. They had another one, and then Cleveland State winds up losing but covering against Oklahoma State by a count of 98-93 for Oklahoma State. 29 points apiece from Avery Anderson the third and Bryce Williams as these two teams were really able to light it up. Cleveland State, 9-24 from three-point range. You wound up having Oklahoma State go 9 of 25 from three-point range. The game went to overtime, so you had added scoring there. And for Oklahoma State, they actually wind up losing the rebound battle by a count of 39 to 36. Off the bench, you were able to get a big performance out of Brock Finston, who wound up being able to give Cleveland State 19 points, 10 boards, so he was certainly able to do his job. And then for Oklahoma State, the way that they were able to pull this one out is the fact that they were able to do a nice job of just being able to get some second chances as they were able to have 12 offensive rebounds in this game in Cleveland State. 14 of 22 at the free throw line. And I've mentioned it, the fact that the ACC has been in for a little bit of a rough go of it this year. And if you're looking at college basketball in general, we haven't seen necessarily anything that has stood out through the entirety of the season with regards to overs and unders. Now, you did see out of the nine games that were on the betting board on Monday, seven of them did wind up going over. So that was a good one for the over on Monday. But with that said, certainly you do wind up having to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because, let's face it, nine college basketball games in the grand scheme of things, it is not a very big sample size whatsoever. But let's take a look at the ACC because I want to bring them up. You currently have three teams that have an above 500 record against the spread. Wake Forest at 7-3. Virginia Tech at 7-4 against the spread. Clemson at 5-4-1 against the spread. And then you've got a bunch of dregs. I mentioned Boston College. They are now 5-6 against the spread, which actually isn't too bad for them. Duke and Pittsburgh, they are actually both 500, which that's a surprise because you'd expect Duke to be better and Pittsburgh to be vastly worse. But you just take a look at the conference right now. Miami is 4-7 against the spread. Florida State 3-6 against the spread. Virginia 3-7 against the spread. Notre Dame 2-6 against the spread. Georgia Tech, North Carolina both 2-7 against the spread. And North 
North Carolina might be the subject of my New Year post play of the day. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and NC State 2-8 against the spread. So clearly it's not been a good year out there in the ACC, but it is always a good time whenever we get our good friend Ian McMillan of the Bacon Bets podcast on the podcast. We're going to be talking with him about the very large spreads that we're going to be seeing on today's slate and what he's all noticed in general from the first month plus of the college basketball season. That's on the other side right here on Coast Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for Coast Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the Beeson family of podcasts, and it is great to be joined by our guest as Ian McMillan is doing a great job being able to handicap a little bit of everything. This guy does a terrific job when it comes to NFL. He does a great job when it comes to college basketball. He does a great job also on the links as well when it comes to golf. So list goes on and on. Does a great job over there with Bet Sided, a part of the Fan Sided Network, as he also does the Bacon Bets podcast as well. And to be able to follow Ian on Twitter, that is at 
I-A-I-N. So a little bit of a different spelling on Ian. And then MacBets, M-A-C, and then the words Bets, B-E-T-S, and Ian. Great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Greg. It's always nice to talk to you. It is great to have you aboard, and it is great what we've been able to see in college basketball this season. And when it comes to the first, I would say, five weeks of the season, what have been some big takeaways for you where you've went either right or wrong with regards to your bets? Because it certainly has been a very interesting start to the season, but what have been some things that you've noticed thus far? Yeah, one thing, I guess a team that I've been on that I'm really high on already and I wasn't high on ahead of the season is Arizona. Arizona has looked fantastic so far this college basketball season. I locked in a futures on them there last week. They continue to win, continue to cover. And that wasn't a team that uh, I kind of expected to see a lot from before the season started, but offensively, defensively, like offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, their shooting is good. They have a very high block percentage, which is something that's going to come in handy when they face teams that kind of are going to try to pound the rock down low. So Arizona has been kind of a fascinating case for me, and I've, I've started to love watching their games so far this year. Arizona has certainly been absolutely magnificent, and I know that they're a team that's really rising up my board as well. I don't know if I can quite get there with them on number one just because I feel like when people ask who the number one team in all of college basketball is, it's one of those cases in which it's like, are you asking on Monday? Are you asking on Wednesday? Are you asking on Thursday? Because it just seems to be a revolving door at this point. And I think many people, much like myself, had Gonzaga at number one. But what's really intriguing about this season is that it feels like it's going to be a wide open year, which it feels like there's more than just like two or three teams that are able to win a title because we saw Purdue wind up getting pushed to overtime on Sunday. They looked like the top team in all of college basketball prior to about seven days ago. Duke, no doubt, looked very solid, and then they wind up losing to Iowa State. Gonzaga is their pair of losses. So I just take a look at the landscape of college basketball, and I feel like with regards to the top teams, it's a little bit of a less exclusive group, group this year. You've got more teams that are vying for it. It just feels more open than it does in past years. Yeah, it certainly does, at least so far. But I mean, that's perfect. That's exactly what we want to see. You love parody. College basketball, any sport's always more fun when it's wide open. So I'm looking forward to seeing how things are going to shape up once we get deeper into conference play here in the coming months. I totally agree with you, as we do have Ian McMillan joining me right here on the podcast. Does a terrific job over there. Bet side and part of the fan sided coverage with regards to all things betting guy does a great job with a little bit of everything. And when it comes to some of the teams that you've been looking to back, I know you're a guy that you always love to be able to take a look at teams that are a little bit simpler with their handicap, like UC Irvine, a team that always takes a whole bunch of twos doesn't necessarily stray away when it comes to three-point shooting other than really Arizona has there been a couple teams that have stood out to you and you've either had great success or the exact opposite a lack of success when backing them not yet so far I mean I just kind of dabbled in college basketball so far as the season when NFL is going it's I'm not kind of head first into it as I do kind of get into it in February. UC Irvine, though, I mentioned it. I have to talk about my Anteaters. They're looking good. They didn't cover their win against Fresno State, but I think they are going to be the best team in the Big West. And once again, they're just such an easy team to handicap because they're 19th in the country right now in two-point shot rates. They keep the ball down low. Texas Seldren is another team that I've bet on a couple times. Fifth in two-point shot rate, like 75% of their shots come down low. So those teams just always make it a little bit easier to handicap. Not necessarily that you want to bet on them every time, but maybe you can find good spots where you can bet against them. You find them playing against a team that has like a high block percentage or has a low opponent two-point field goal percentage. So UC Irvine has just kind of played that same style year in and year out for the past handful of years. The only other one that I've noticed so far 
but I'm sure I'm going to notice more as we get into the conference plays, Texas Southern as well. Oh, Texas Southern has been absolutely terrific, a team that they have just yeah. one straight-up win this season, but that one win came on the road against Florida. I was on that last week. That was a glorious win, just an absolute cover machine, and we're going to see a lot of those sorts of games on Tuesday. If you take a look at the board, you've got one really solid one between Alabama and Memphis that is going to be intriguing, but you take a look at the ranked teams that are going to be in action. You've got like LSU playing Northwestern State. South Carolina Upstate is going to be playing Tennessee. South Carolina State is going to be playing Duke. Not to be confused with South Carolina Upstate, so I mean, those are really confusing right there. But when you take a look at some of these teams in which we're going to call what it is, you've got some of the top teams in all of college basketball playing against some of the dregs of college basketball. Do you wind up getting involved with any of these? Because we're going to see a lot of point spreads are going to be north of 30 on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, I certainly will. I mean, I think sometimes when you see those big mismatches where it's going to be point spreads north of 30, if you can find a spot where one of those teams is getting a lot of points, but maybe they have that stylistic advantage a little bit where maybe they shoot a lot of threes and the team they're playing against hasn't done well with their perimeter defense so far this season. I would much rather bet on teams getting 30 plus points, even though those teams are usually garbage, just because laying that many points and find is so tough in a lot of spots just because you never really know how much they're going to keep the pedal to the metal a little bit late in the game because you can always get uh, backdoor cover on those large point spreads. So yeah, sometimes those big point spreads are kind of some of the most valuable spots to bet on if you can find underlying statistics that kind of support that team that's getting all those points. I agree. And a shout out to our good friends, Chicago State, who year in and year out, they have been, shall we say, one of the worst teams in all of college basketball, and they've been able to rise up a little bit more. So I do give them a little bit of credit. It has been nice to see them be not absolutely awful this recent college basketball season. So that is something that is always very nice to see as we do have Ian McMillan joining me on the podcast. And Ian, when it comes to your handicapping, I know that you just wound up bringing up stylistic things. What are some of the things that you've been noticing this season with regards to some of these styles? Because I personally have been noticing that it does seem like teams are playing a little bit slower. And something else I've noticed in college basketball as well is that when it comes to free throw shooting, the shooting percentages just seem to be way down. I think a lot of this has to do with fans being back in the sands, but I think that that's important to take note of because last year you wound up seeing the medium free throw percentage be more around like 72-ish percent, and I feel like it's more around 69-70%, so I do think that that is of utmost importance. Yeah, it is for sure, and I think it's sometimes in these kind of Oda conference schedules, we didn't really see this last year. I think that can kind of happen when a team plays against someone that maybe they're not as comfortable playing against. As you know, obviously these teams know their conference opponents a lot more than they know these Oda conference opponents. So sometimes I think when you're not used to playing against a certain team, you're not used to seeing their defense, you're not used to kind of being able to recognize the holes that those defenses have. I think it can take a little bit of an effect on those shooting percentages. So I think once we get into conference play, I think we're going to see a little bit of positive regression from that just because teams are going to start playing against defenses that they're a little bit more comfortable facing against as opposed to all these old conference teams. I do agree with you. I do think that we are going to be seeing a little bit of adjustment when it comes to that. And something else I've got to bring up as well, something that we have seen with regards to the straight amount of conference games that we've seen this season because the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, they played a few conference games. And I always feel like home underdogs have more value when it comes to these conference games rather than out-of-conference games. It just feels like the crowd knows a little bit more of the importance when we're going to throw out there. Minnesota winds up playing against Michigan State rather than if Minnesota were to play against a good team but an out-of-conference team. Like, we'll just football here. LSU, for example. And I do think that that's something important to take note of as well. Just the fact that home court is back and it seems to be impacting a lot of these games too. 
Yeah, it certainly is. Generally in sports, I'm not a big home field or home court advantage guy, but if there's one sport where I certainly put it into my handicapping more than other sports, it's got to be college basketball. So it's good to see fans back in the stands. Yeah, there certainly is, like in the NFL, I'm not a big believer in home field advantage much. I don't put much value into it as much as other people do, but college basketball, you have to. The atmosphere, they're playing in front of their fellow students. Great to see it back, and it's important to remember that factor because we went a whole season last year. No, last year, I hardly ever valued home court advantage that much in college basketball, but we have to factor it back into our handicapping this year because the fans are back. I do agree with you. I think that it is such an important X factor when it comes to college basketball, and what else is an X factor when it comes to this podcast is whenever we get you on, Ian, you do an absolutely terrific job over there at BetSided along with the Bacon Bets podcast. I know you do a little bit of everything. You're doing a great job when it comes to the NFL. I know that golf is not necessarily in prime season right now, but I know that's going to be relatively soon, and you're going to be doing a great job on that front as well and so much more. So let the good people know how they're able to find you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, for sure. Best way is on Twitter, Ian MacBets, I-A-I-N-M-A-C-B-E-T-S. Check out the Bacon Bets podcast. We're entering college football bowl season. By the time you're listening to this, I will have my podcast out where, where I break down my best bet all, what is it, 43 college football bowl games this season. So excited for that. It's a fun time in sports right now, for sure. It is a fun time in sports. We've got a whole lot going on. Bowl games are going to be coming up relatively soon. You've got the NFL in full swing. Obviously, you've got the NBA, NHL, and college basketball. And Ian does a great job with a little bit of everything and always brings it on this podcast. So big thanks to Ian for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. Now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming next, it is that time of podcast to give you a signed turtle on every game on the college basketball betting board for this Tuesday as we hit some bank shots. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder 
But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Peterson. Always a pleasure to be joined by Ian McMillan, doing a great job over there with Bet Sided along with the Bacon Bets podcast. Brings it every single time he joins this podcast and did so once again today. So, big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you a signed total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board for this College Basketball Tuesday as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenScorty1. We are going to be going in Las Vegas tradition order. This is where we wind up going with the games with three digits first, and then the games with six digits, which are games in lesser conferences like the SWAC, the MIAC, Patriot League. I don't think lesser conferences is the correct word. Smaller conferences, we're going to go with that, but that's how they wind up ordering things in Las Vegas. And when you wind up going to Las Vegas, instead of saying something like, oh, I want to bet on... North Carolina, for instance, you'd instead say, I want to bet on rotation number 606 on spread, money line, what have you. So that's why I wind up doing it the way that I do. So we're going to be starting with that first game of 601, 602 on the banking board. UNC Greensboro is going to be in the red faceoff against Towson. Towson finds themselves in between 8 and 8.5 point favorites in your tournaments game. It is between 128 and 128.5 when it comes to Towson. Got to be looking at this team differently than you did even two weeks ago because you wound up having quite a few players out of the fold there are now back. Antonio Rizzuto, someone that winds coming in from Albany. He wound up missing quite a few games. He is back, and he's looked very solid. Along Jason Gibson, both of these guys are combining for about 21 points per game. Both guys shooting above 40% from three-point range. That is now giving them some offensive pop without them. They just really didn't have a lot going on with regards to the backcourt. It's really been the Cam Holden show for this team. Holden, 15 points, 9.5 rebounds, 3 assists, shooting 42% from 3. Now, down low, this is a team that can be a little bit vulnerable. You've been able to get right around 6.5 points and 4.5 rebounds per game out of Mr. Charles Thompson. You've been able to get a little bit of something with 3.5 rebounds out of Chase Power as well, but then you do take a look at Greensboro, and I do think that they're going to be able to do a decent job down low. You do have a star score in Devontae Buckingham, giving you 13 points, 8 boards, shooting 39% from 3, 87% at the free throw line, but outside of him, it really is a team that they do need a little bit more offensive firepower in the backcourt now. Mohamed Abdul Salam, someone that's able to do a nice job down low, right around 7 points, 5 boards per game, has been limited a little bit. He wound up missing a little bit of time towards the beginning part of December but returned in the game against Tennessee. Should be good to go in this one. Dante Tracy has been able to do all 3 assists but the thing with UNC Greensboro as well is that they do turn the ball over 16 times per game. Mike Jones, who? Mike Jones, who winds up coming in from Radford has really slowed things down as well. I think that's going to be a grimy game, but I do think the Greensboro going to do a good job of being able to shut down the arc to be able to hold within arm's reach in this game. I set Towson as an 8-point favorite, so seeing the 8.5, I'm going to take the points here with Greensboro. Also made the total 126, so diving under to go along with the 8.5. 
604 on the betting board. Clemson is going to be playing with Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio is between an 8 and 9 point underdog and your tallest game is between 138 and a half and 140 with Clemson. They have been doing a better job with regards to offensive efficiency and big reason why PJ Hall. Hall is someone that stands right around 6 foot 8 and he's been incredible at being able to hit his threes. 15 points, 6 boards, shooting right around 33% from 3 for a team that has a collective. Shoots 42% from distance. He is the only out of their top 5 scores shooting below 36.5% from 3 point range. Now Clemson, they themselves give up the arc. That is a little bit of an issue but you do have El Amir Dawes along David Collins and Nick Honor all giving you between 11.3 and 12 points per game and then for Miami of Ohio, Dede Grant has been terrific for the team. He and Mikhail Larry are combining for a little bit over 30 points. Both guys give you 3.8 rebounds and between 3.5 and, and 4 assists per game and both guys shooting between 33 and 34% from 3 but what this Miami of Ohio team does really well as well shoot 76% at the free throw line and turn the ball over just 9 times per game. They do a very good job of doing the little things Isaiah Coleman lands is dishing out right around three and a half assists per game as well, so he's been able to do a good job as the floor general of this team down low. You don't necessarily have a lot, but you have been able to get 12 and a half points, seven and a half boards out of Delonte Brown. Brown has some good flexibility, being able to shoot 44% from three, 80% the free throw line, so I do think the Miami of Ohio is going to be able to hang in this game. I do think that it's going to be a little bit more of a methodical game. Miami of Ohio, they play a little bit of a faster tempo, but you can tell that they really value trying to get the best shot, taking care of the ball. Clemson, they are the same way as well. So I think that you're going to see a relatively efficient but slow game. Set the soil at 131.5 as a result. So diving under and with Miami of Ohio. Set them as a 7 point dog. So one to take between 8 and 9 with them. 605. 606 is a New York post play of the day as Furman. It's going to be in the red face off against North Carolina. North Carolina is lying between 11.5 and 12.5 points. And your draw game is between 151 and 151.5. I set this total north of 160 at a 165 to be exact. So we're going to be going over. You've got a pair of teams that rank in the top 70 with regards to possessions per game. A pair of offenses that have been really stinking efficient. Furman with regards to road games in the top 30 with regards to points scored on a per possession basis in all of college basketball. And got a North Carolina team that ranks in the top 10 in all of college basketball. Three-point shooting percentage. Furman, they shoot 39.5% from three-point range. Jalen Slauson a walking triple-double for this Furman team. 17 points, 8.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks per game. So he does it all. You've got a North Carolina team that they really don't force a lot of turnovers either. So the small issue that you have with Furman of turning the ball over, that winds getting alleviated. You've got someone in Garrett Heim who's been able to do a nice job dishing out two and a half assists per game, but Alex Hunter, 17 and a half points, four assists. He has been terrific. Mike Bothwell right around 16 and a half points per game as well, so I like what you're able to get there. And then for North Carolina, obviously, you've got a bunch of guys with great versatility. They're able to let it fly as well. Brady Manick, RJ Davis are both giving you between 13 and 14 points per game, combining to shoot about 45% from three-point range. Davis, three and a half assists per game. Caleb Love, 17 points, four boards, four assists. Has cut down on the turnovers. He shoots 43% from three-point range. You've got North Carolina shooting right around 75% of the free-throw line so I think both of these teams are going to be giving up. Furman is allowing opponents to be able to shoot well over 34% from three, one of the worst marks in all of college basketball in North Carolina. Outside the top 150 with regards to defensive efficiency themselves, so I think that you wind up getting yourself a shootout. New York Post play today is going to be the over. I said North Carolina is a 9-point favorite, so here at between 11.5 and 12, you've got a Furman team that has already knocked off Louisville outright on the road. I think that they're going to be able to hold in this one, so taking the points along the New York Post play today of the over. 607, 608, 
played on the bang board. You've got Wake Forest, and they're going to be playing us to VMI. VMI has found themselves a 15 to 15 and a half point underdog, and your Toulon's game is 148 and a half. When it comes to VMI, it's a bunch of which they do a good job of being able to hit their threes, but at the same time, they have been a little bit more shaky than they were last year. Now, when it comes to VMI, the guy that I really like for this team is Camden Kerfman. Kerfman has been able to give you 17 and a half points per game. Someone that's chipping in their three assists, shooting 40% from three. VMI as a collective shoots 80.5% at the free throw line, 37% from three point range. Each other top four scorers shoot at least 36.7% from three point range. They have been dealing with a couple of ailments. Cooper Cisco has only played three games for the team this season, but he is getting healthier, so that is helping out this team. Trey Bonham has been able to give you right in the neighborhood of about 8.5 points per game. He wanted missing a little bit of time this year after he was able to give the team 8.5 points per game. He is now back in the fold as well. And then you do have Jake Stevens, a six foot eleven versatile player that's given the team 16 points, 8 boards, 3.5 assists, 2.5 blocks, shooting 42.5% for 3, but then for Wake Forest, Got yourself a bunch in which it is made up of Williams. Williamson and Williams as Davion Williamson. 14.5 points per game. Shoots 42.5% from three. 94.5% the free throw line. And Alonis Williams shoots more around 35% from three, but is able to chip in there. 18 points, six and a half boards, five assists. Jake Lariva has been terrific as well with his 14 points per game at six foot eight. He lets it fly at a 50% clip from three point range. Wake Forest, they shoot 36% from three and they force right around eight and a half seals per game as well. VMI is not a team that necessarily gets out of control, but I do think that the step up in competition is going to be very difficult for them. Wake Forest has really been one of the fastest risers with regards to my power rankings this season. VMI is a solid team, but I do think that they are going to let things get out of control a little bit too much in this spot. I did set the total at 149, so one to take it over. And with Wake Forest, set them as a 17.5 point favorite, so I'm going to be laying the points. 609, 610 on the banging board. South Florida is going to be playing us awesome P. The Governators are a six point underdog, and your total on this game is 126. I want to make in South Florida a six and a half point favorite. So here at six, I'm willing to lay it. I'm really not willing to lay anything more, but I'm willing to lay the six when it comes to the South Florida team. They've been able to do a terrific job of being able to slow things down, and they're one of the more efficient defenses that you're going to find in all of college basketball. They also are not good from three. They shoot 25.5% from three. They're in the bottom 30 of all of college basketball in that regard, and they've got one guy scoring more than nine points per game. That'd be Caleb Murphy. Now, Murphy is someone that is able to give out right around three and a half assists and chips in there right around four boards per game as well. It's really been Russell Chua, who's been able to do a nice job down low. 7.6 boards for the seven-footer that comes in from Texas Tech, but when it comes to Austin P, this is a team in which they do a solid job with regards to being able to hold it down down low themselves. Elijah Hutchins Everett is a freshman that has come in and given the team 14 points, seven and a half boards, and shoots 36 and a half percent from three. As a six foot eleven combo player, Tariq Silver has been terrific with right around 14 and a half points per game. I do like what I'm getting out of Cam Copeland as well from Charleston. He's come in, giving the team a steal and a half per game, right around 12 points per game. So you certainly do have a pair of teams that they do have some good versatility. But what I think is going to be able to set self floor over the top is. Certainly not their free throw shooting. They shoot right around 64.5% the free throw line, but they've been able to do a good job with regards to turnovers forced on a per-possession basis. Javon Green, right around 2.5 steals per game, shooting 34.5% from three, 85% the free throw line, chipping in there right around 9 points per game, but the team themselves, they only turn the ball over right around 11.5 times per game. Carlos Paez has an assist to turnover ratio of 3 for Austin P. but I do think that South Florida going to be able to get it done on their home floor. It made them a 6.5 point favorite, so I am willing to lay the points here with South Florida 
around. When it comes to this total, set it at a 124.5. I think that South Florida is really going to make things grimy, so we're going to be taking a look at the under as well. 6-11, 6-12 on the betting board. Yale is going to be playing on some Monmouth. Monmouth is finding themselves as a one-point favorite, and your total on this game, it is between 144 and 145. I say Yale is a two-point favorite in the spot. I do think that they're going to be able to hold up on their home floor, so going to be looking at them on the money line now. It's a little bit dicey because Monmouth has yet to fail to cover a spread this season. Against the spread, they are a perfect 10-0, so they have been terrific. Headlined by George Pappas along Shavar Reynolds. These two guys combined to be able to give you 31 points per game, 10 boards. You've got Pappas shooting right around 39% from three, Reynolds 42.5% from three, and both of these guys along with Walker Miller are all giving you at least 86% free throw shooting, so that has been absolutely tremendous for this team. And then you take a look at what you're able to get outside of them, and it does wind up having a little bit of a fall, though you are able to get right around some rebounds per game out of Nikai Ruti. And then on the flip side, for Yale, you don't necessarily have a ton of rebounding, but I do like what Azir Swain is bringing to the table in the backcourt. 19.5 points per game, right around 5 boards, 2 assists, 1.3 steals, a guy that is shooting 87.5% the free throw line. Yale collective. She's 73% of the line, 11 after an overs game, so they do a nice job of being able to take care of the ball, and what I think is going to be really key for this team is the fact that EJ Jarvis has been able to do a solid job whenever he's been out there. Now, he has been missing the last few games, was not out there in the Iona game. you got to figure that he is not going to be out there once again. That means that you're going to need to get a little bit more out of Isaiah Kelly. Kelly is someone that wound up having a trio of assists in that loss to Iona. Someone that has been able to give the team 9 plus points in 3 out of their last 4 games. He's been coming of age for this team, and I do think that you're going to be able to get enough out of Matthew Cotton, who's been able to give the team 11 points, shooting right around 34-ish percent from three-point range with four boards and a seal per game. He's been able to come alive for the team double figures in four of the team's last five, so I take a look at the spot. I think that Yale's going to be able to hold up on their home floor. I think that it's going to be a very close battle, and I think that it's going to be a high-scoring battle with a lot of free throws shot. Set the sold at 152, so we're going to be going over, and I'm going to be taking Yale on the money line. 613, 614 on the bank board. Louisiana Monroe is going to be in the road to face off against Stephen F. Fawcett. Stone Cold Stephen F. Fawcett finds themselves anywhere between a 12 and a 12 and a half point favorite and your total on this game is 145. Set Stephen F. Fawcett as a two touchdown with the extra points favorite. So we're going to be looking at Stone Cold Stephen F. Fawcett when it comes to the Lumberjacks. This is a team that year in and year out they do an absolutely tremendous job of being able to force turnovers. It's a team that once again is getting right around nine steals per game. So I do like what you're getting there and then for Louisiana Monroe this is a team that doesn't have a ton of size, but they've been able to do a good job of being able to mix and match with the pieces that they've got. Andre 3000 Jones, because every Andre on this podcast gets known as Andre 3000, has been able to give the team right around 13 points per game now. Three-point shooting for him has been down. Overall, the team isn't necessarily great, isn't necessarily terrible shooting right around 32.5% from three-point range lengths, and Powell has been able to do a good job hitting right around 46% of his threes, but only chips in there right around 6.5 points per game, but when you take a look at Louisiana Monroe, you've got a do-it-all player in Russell Harrison, right around 10.5 points, 4.5 boards, a steal per game, you've had Kareem Ozier, who's been able to give the team 13 points per game, so he's been able to do a nice job as well. And then Elijah Gonzalez is just that glue guy for the team. Seven points, four boards, four assists, 1.7 steals per game. Shoots 36% from three, but I do think that Stephen F. Austin going to be able to speed them up with Stephen F. Austin. They should be able to dominate down low as well. Gavin Kensmill has been able to give you 16 points, seven and a half boards per game. you got a Stephen F. Austin team that they turn the ball over themselves 17 times per game, but they shoot 38% from three-point range. You've got a Louisiana Monroe team that isn't bad at generating turnovers, but they're not necessarily great either. Roddy Ware has been able to give you 11.5 points per game, so he's been able to do a nice job of being able to chip in there a little bit of production as well. 
They've been dealing with injuries to Nigel Hawkins as well, which I think really wound up hurting them towards the beginning part of the season. He's returned in the last two games for this team. He's had 10 points in each out of those two games, so transfer from UTEP, I think is going to be able to make a little bit of a difference for Steven F. Fawson, and it's a big reason why I did wind up bumping them up a little bit more. I would have, without Hawkins, made this more around a 12.5 to a 13-point line with Hawkins in the fold. Got Steven F. Fawson as a 14-point favorite, so willing to lay the points. When it comes to this total, set it at 150, as I think that there is going to be quite a few turnovers in this game, and I think that things wind up getting harebrained as well. So, going over and laying the points with Stone Cold, Stephen F. Austin, 615-616 on the bang board. You've got Georgia State, and they're going to be in the road to face off against Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a 9-9.5 point favorite in your Toronto's game between 142 and 143. Georgia State has been dealing with some COVID-19 issues, and a lot of these seem to be rectified, but you've got to be fearing a little bit of a rust when it comes to this Georgia State team. I think that that's a big factor when it comes to this, because for Georgia State, they face off against one Division One opponent thus far this month, so that puts them a little bit behind the eight ball, and they have to compete with a Mississippi State team that they do have Iverson Molinar in the backcourt, a guy that's able to give you 16.5 points per game, a guy that last year shot over 40% from three. This year has been quite that, but still has been able to do a nice job of be able to contribute, and then you've got a Mississippi State team that they themselves might be without Tolo Smith once again in this game. Wound up returning for four games, but he wound up being missing in that Colorado State game, but they are going to have Garrison Brooks in this game, and Brooks has been tremendous down low. 11.5 points, 7 boards. A guy that's actually shooting 40% from 3, so he's become a little bit more versatile and then Shaquille Moore has been great as well out there in the backcourt with 11 points 2.5 assists per game. Now, they need to get a little bit more out of Rocket Watts. Rocket Watts comes in from Michigan State and has been a big giant buster Rooney. 2 points or fewer in now 3 of the team's last 5 games and at this point, I just have no expectations for him. If you're looking at this Mississippi State team, you've got to be looking more to DJ Jeffries who's been able to give the team 9 points, 5.5 boards, mid-33 point shooter and when it comes to Georgia State, they've had quite a few of their star players out as well. You've dealt with Corey Allen, dealing with a couple of injuries. He's been able to give the team 15 points per game. Wanda returning in their last game against a non-D1 foe. Had 11 points, 13 rebounds, so got to figure that he's going to be good to go in this one. You've also been dealing with not having Inkeel and Sume, who was a double-double machine for this team last year, so that's a little bit of an issue. Now, Justin Roberts, he's going to be out there in this game. Guy that's able to give you 17 points per game, shooting 46% from three-point range, so he rocks solid there, and then came Williams, right around 15 points, five and a half boards, four and a half assists, shoot 38% three-point shooter as Georgia State as a collective, shoot 37.5% from three, but they do turn the ball over 13 times per game. They themselves are able to get nine and a half seals per game, but I do think that Mississippi State going to be able to do a good job of being able to hold on to the ball. They themselves, Mississippi State, generates eight seals per game, shoots right around 73 percent from the free throw line as a collective, so I do think the Mississippi State is going to be able to take this one against a Georgia State team that they've been having a variety of issues the last few weeks, so said Mississippi State as an 11-point favorite, willing to lay the points, and also want to make in this total 135. I do think that Mississippi State going to get their style of playing really slow, and I think that they're going to do a good job of being able to cut off the arc, so diving under, and I'm going to be laying the points with the Bulldogs. 617-618 on the betting board. Houston is going to be playing us Louisiana. Louisiana is a 23-point underdog, and you're talking game is 141 and a half when it comes to Louisiana. I feel like they should be a pretty sizable underdog. I have soured on them since the beginning part of the season. I thought that they'd be a good sub-belt contender. They thus far have not necessarily been that I think we've went a little bit too far with regards to 23 now. Houston actually has the best cover rate of any team in college basketball that has played at least 10 games each out of the last two seasons, so that takes out the teams that wound up opting out last year, but when it comes to Houston, you do have a very good backcourt for this team. Traymond Mark, whenever he's been out there, has been terrific mystery games this season, but still 10 points per game, shooting 94% at the free throw line. Marcus Sasser, Kyler Edwards, they combined to be able to shoot 40% from three-point range, right around 31 points per game out of these two gentlemen. They've got good facilitation 
rotation by committee. Jalen Sheed has really been the main facilitator for the team. Five assists with right around two steals per game, but you've been able to get also a little bit of facilitation out of so many of these other guys as well. Like Mark, who I was mentioning a little bit earlier, Fabian White has been able to give you 10 points, five boards, and assists and a half per game, shooting 40% from three. Houston has a collective only shoot 64.5% free line. That is a little bit of an issue, but they also do shoot 38% from three in them for Louisiana. They're shooting 65% the free line, but I'm going to be taking a look at this total a bit higher. I set it at a 151 because you do have a Louisiana team that they rank in the top 10 in all of college basketball, the yards possessions per game. Houston is not afraid to run it and gun it themselves. And we've got a Louisiana team that they do look a little bit more down low. Jordan Brown, Theo Akwuba have been able to combine for 24 points, 16 rebounds. Both guys are giving you 1.2 blocks per game. Kobe Julian has been able to chip in their 9 points per game as well. Outside of that, you don't necessarily have great 3-point shooting when it comes to the team. Greg Williams Jr. has been able to shoot right around 36% from distance, 8 points, 2.5 assists per game. The big kryptonite for Louisiana has been holding on to the ball. They commit right around 16 turnovers per game and then you take a look at Houston. They're generating 10.7 steals per game, so I certainly do think that Houston is going to be able to get things up tempo. I think that they're going to be able to force some turnovers, but I think both teams wind up bearing a lot of shots. I think that this is a game that is going to be played at a very frenetic pace, so wind up setting this total at 151, willing to take the over, and set Houston as a 19-point favorite. I think that they win this game pretty convincingly, but I think that 23-year is a little bit too high, so we're going to be taking the points and the over. 619-620 on the betting board. Charleston State is going to be in the road to face off against South Alabama. South Alabama is finding themselves as a 7.5 to an 8-point favorite. Your tallest game is between 125 and 125.5. And I set my total at a 125.5. At 125.5, and and I'd be willing to take a little bit more of an over before and under, just because we are in that sweet spot where if you wind up seeing a game at like six to eight points with a minute left to go, you know what that means. March to the free throw line. Teams hacking away like lumberjacks. So I'm taking a look at a little bit of an over at between 125 and 125 and a half at 126. would start to look at the under, but when it comes to Tarleton State, in the bottom 10 with regards to possessions per game. So very much a low and slow team and a team that they shoot 25 and a half percent from three-point range. So they have certainly lacked in that aspect. Really your main three-point shooter is Shakir Daniel. He's been able to shoot 33% from three, six points per game. But Montre Gibson does a good job of being able to stuff the stat sheet. He and Taj Small have been able to combine for about 27 points, a little bit over 10.5 rebounds per game, 2.7 seals per game, so they've been able to do a good job there. And Tarleton State, as a collective, they do get 9 seals per game, and then for South Alabama, it's a bunch of things themselves, get right around 8.5 seals per game. They do a good job of not turning the ball over Charles Manning Jr. He's really the only guy that commits turnovers, but he's got the ball in his hands a lot, so high usage guys, 17 points, 3.5 boards, 3 assists. Now, you don't necessarily have a ton of rebounding when it comes to South Alabama, but Javon Franklin has been able to do just enough for the team, 10 points, 6.5 boards, and I do like what you're able to get from South Alabama with regards to J.J. Chandler coming in from Texas A&M with 14.5 points, 2.7 assists, a steal and a half per game. And you take a look at South Alabama among their top six scores. Five of them give you at least a steal per game. Now, they don't have much of a rotation outside of their main six. Kale Gonsalves is going to need to step up a little bit. Eight points, four boards per game. But I do think that South Alabama is going to be able to do a good job in a game that is going to be very much slowed down. I think that South Alabama is going to be able to find some open looks. I think that they're going to be able to value the ball, which is big against Charlton State. So, did wind up setting South Alabama as a nine-point favorite one to late here. And at one. 25 to 125 and a half, willing to take an over, but really not willing to go much further with regards to the over than this. 621, 622 on the banking board. Arkansas State is going to be in the red face off against Texas Tech. 
Texas Tech, anywhere between a 23 and 24 point favorite. And your total on this game, it is between 138.5 and 139.5. When it comes to Arkansas State, I think that they should be able to do a actually halfway decent job on the glass in this game. You do have a guy, Norchad Amir, who's been averaging a double-double for this team. 13 points, 10 boards, has actually stretched out his range to be able to shoot a couple threes. 1.6 blocks, 1.6 steals per game as well. So he's been able to do a nice job. Then you take a look at Caleb Fields, right around 9.5 points, 4 boards, 4.8 assists, shooting 46% from 3-point range has been rock solid for him. He has been slowing down a little bit with regards to his scoring, though. 5 points or fewer in 3 of the team's last 5 games. And then you take a look at Malik Wilson, who's been the main facilitator for this team. Done a very good job coming in after he was a main scorer at Louisiana. Has taken a backseat. He's been able to give the team just 4 points, but 3.5 assists and 2 seals per game. Now, he only wanted playing 5 minutes in that game against Tennessee, so there is a chance that he might not be able to go in this one. He's dealing with a little bit of an ailment, but you do have Kevin McCullough out there, and the guy is a Swiss Army knife. Does a lot of good things for the team with 13 points, 6 half boards, 3 assists, a seal and a half per game. Overall, Texas Tech shooting 34 and a half percent from 3. One of the most efficient teams with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. They've got Davion Warren as well, who I like. 12 points per game. You got to figure that this is going to be a team that they shoot a little bit better from 3 point range than they did in that game that we wound up seeing at MSG last week, but I do think that Arkansas State going to be able to hang in there because you do have Desi Seals, someone who transfers in from Arkansas. 16 points, 2 steals, 2 and a half assists. He doesn't shoot it well from 3 point range, but you do have Marcus Eaton, who's eating it up when it comes to his shooting percentages. 37% from 3, 93.5% the free throw line. Right around 12 points, 3.5 assists per game, so he's been able to do a great job on that front end. When it comes to this Arkansas State team. 16 turnovers per game is not ideal. You've got a Texas Tech team that they do a good job of being able to have a nose for the ball, but the injury to Malik Wilson should be able to help out a little bit with that regard. So I do mind making this a spot in which I want to say Texas Tech more around to 20 and a half point favorite. So willing to take the points here. Set this total at 138 and a half. Texas Tech very efficient on defense. Arkansas State neither a fast nor a slow team. So going to be riding this total under as a result, and I'm going to be taking the points with Arkansas State. 623, 624 on the bang board. You've got Creighton playing us at Arizona State. Arizona State, a seven half point underdog with your total between 136 and a half and 137. When it comes to Arizona State, it's been a really bad year for them, and I don't think it's going to get much better on this day now. we got a pair of offenses that traditionally are very explosive and very good. Both of these teams have throttled down with regards to possessions per game just because they don't have as much firepower out there in the backcourt, but I have a lot more faith in Creighton in the spot. Set them as an 8-point favorite because with Ryan Nemard, though he does commit right around 3.5 turnovers per game, he does shoot 45% from 3. He's been able to give the team 13 points, 4.5 assists, and 1.7 seals per game. Creighton has been far from great at the free throw line, shooting 69.5%, but then you take a look at Aaron Arizona State, and this is a collective that is shooting themselves 69% of the line and 29.5% from three. Now, I will say this with Arizona State. Uh, their top four scores, three of them are shooting at least 38.5% from three-point range, but one of those, that'd be Marcus Bagley, who has not been seen for quite a while, probably not going to be playing in this game as well. DJ Horn, right around 13.5 points per game. He's been solid. Kamari Lawrence has been able to give you 11.5 points, 8.5 rebounds per game, but Inside of Lawrence, you really don't have a single guy that's giving you more than 4.2 rebounds per game. Creighton has actually been able to do a little bit of a better job on the glass. As you've got Ryan Hawkins filling it up, 14.5 points, 6.5 boards, shooting 40% from 3-point range, and then 7'1", Ryan Kalkbrenner, 12.5 points, 6.5 boards, more of a traditional big man that is able to give you 2.7 blocks per game with regards to blocks on a per-possession basis. Creighton has been one of the better teams in college basketball. Keyshawn Fiesel, who winds coming in from McNeese State, is able to give you right around 4 boards per game. 
And then the freshman, Arthur Kaluma, is not necessarily the most efficient scorer, but a guy that is able to contribute on offense. He has been able to give the team nine points and has a little bit more of a rim protector, has been able to throw in there right in the neighborhood of about four and a half boards per game. So I do take a look at this game, and I think that it's going to be quite a bit lower scoring than we're used to seeing between Arizona State and Creighton. So it's a spot in which I want to say this total more around a 134. So I'm going to be diving under, and with Creighton, made them an eight-point favorite. I just do not like what I'm seeing when it comes to Arizona State. I think that it's a big coaching miss match, having Mr. McDermott going up against Bobby Hurley, who does nothing but yell at Ruff, so we're going to be laying the points with Creighton, and I'm going to be going under as well. 625, 626 on the bang board. Sam Houston State is going to be in the run face off against North Texas. The Big Green is finding themselves in between 11 and 11.5 point favorites with your total on scheme. Between 124 and 124.5 when it comes to North Texas, set them as more around a 6.5 point favorite. I am not necessarily too bullish on this North Texas team, so I'm going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to Sam Houston State. What I think is going to be so critical is Texas A&M transfer Savion Flag. Flag has just done it all for the Sam Houston State team. 19 points, 8 boards, shooting 39.5% from 3-point range. Now, also shoots 31.5% at the free throw line. That's a little bit of an issue and does commit four turnovers per game, but he just does a lot for this offense to be able to flow. And then outside of that, you do have Jaden Ray, who's been able to be a little bit more of a pass-first guy, five foot, foot ten. He's been able to give out right around four assists, shoots 32% from three with his seven points per game, a little bit over a seal per contest. North Texas, one of the slower teams in all of college basketball. As a matter of fact, in the bottom 15 with regards to possessions per game, they shoot 32.5% from three, neither great nor terrible. Main three-point shooter has been Tyler Perry, who's been able to give the team 13 points per game, shooting 48.5% from three-point range, 88.5% at the free throw line with two steals per game, so he's been able do a nice job there. And then you do have Thomas Bell give you 13.6 half boards, 2.5 assists per game, and it's really been facilitation by committee with North Texas. You don't have a single guy giving you more than 2.5 assists per game, but each other top four scores between 2.3 and 2.4 assists per game, so got a well-rounded team in which the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, to use that phrase, but I do think that Sam Houston State going to be able to do a relatively solid job on the glass. You've got a guy in Demarcus Lampley who's able to give you double figures as well. And when it comes to Sam Houston State, what I do like about this team as well is the fact that they do wind doing a solid job of being able to force some turnovers. 8.5 steals per contest while shooting 35.5% from 3, the 55% free throw line. That is the worst mark in all of college basketball, but I do think that that is going to be alleviated a little bit by the fact that they're an underdog rather than a favorite. I would be more concerned if they were a team that was laying points and need to hit free throws at the end of the game. So, they wind up making Sam Houston say, as a result, more around a 6.5 point underdog, so I'm going to be taking the points. Set this total at 124.5 as well. I think that's going to be a little bit of a slower slog, but at the same time, I think we went a little bit too far here. So, going over, and I'm going to be taking the points. 627, 628 on the bang board. UIC is going to be playing us to DePaul. DePaul is finding themselves as a favorite of between 9.5 and 10 points, and your turn on scheme is between 142 and 142.5. I feel like 9.5 to 10 is a little bit ambitious in this spot, and I do like what DePaul is doing, but at the same time, you got to factor in that this is a, pretty much an intercity rivalry, and you know that UIC is going to be up for this game, and they've got a guy that's able to take over the game into Mario Franklin. Franklin comes in from Tennessee Tech, 16 points, 8 boards, 1.7 steals per game, shooting in the low to mid-30s from 3-point range. Overall, UIC shoots 39% from 3, 62% the free throw line, but unlike last year, they've done a better job of taking care of the ball with right around 12 turnovers per game. Now, Javon Freeman Liberty is going to be the best player out there on the floor. No offense or buts about it. 20 points, 8 boards, 4 assists, 2 steals, a guy that's able to shoot 38% from 3. Overall, though, DePaul, they shoot right around 69% the free throw line, 33% from 3. You've been able to get quite a bit of something out of Brandon Johnson as well. 11.5 points, 7.5 rebounds per game. David Jones has been rock solid as well. 
shooting 36.5% from three-point range, able to give the team two assists, eight boards per game. So I do think that UIC is going to be outgunned a little bit on the glass, but when it comes to UIC as well, Zion Griffin has been able to do a good job of contributing for this team. 12 points, 4 boards, shooting 40% from 3-point range. So you've got a lot of good going on there. Marcus Larson is someone that has been missing for much of the year. He has now come back and he wound up seeing his most significant action on Saturday. And he wound up having in that game 10 points and 3 boards in 11 minutes against Central Michigan. Someone that winds up coming in from the Southland at Incarnate Word. So I think that he's going to be able to make a little bit of an impact in this game. I don't think that UIC is going to be able to win the game outright. But I do think that these of Luke Yaklich, who was the defensive manager mind of that Michigan team that went to the title a few seasons ago in 2018 under John Beeline, is going to be able to do a good job of being able to draw some things up. I think that this game is going to be a little bit more slow and controlled, so set this all at 135. Going to be diving under. Set to Paul as a 7-point favorite, so willing to take double digits here with UIC. 629-630 is Tulane versus Texas A&M. This game is canceled, which means there's no money to be made, and we've got to move on. 631-632 on the banging board. Santa Clara is going to be in the road to face off against Boise State. Boise C is finding themselves between a six half and a seven point favorite, and your tallest game is one thirty nine and a half. When it comes to Santa Clara, it's been a team that has been in a little bit of disarray ever since Joseph Varankish wound up going out with Mono, but certainly it's a Boise State team that they themselves have not looked very good this year, and I think I'm putting it as politely as I can. They wound up losing on their home floor to Cal State Bakersfield. This is a Boise State team that you take a look at what they've been able to do at the free throw line, and it's not great. They're shooting 57.5% the free throw line now. They're shooting as a collective 32% from three as you've got a pair of guys in Emmanuel Acott and Marcus Shaver Jr. combined for 23.5 points per game and combined 5.5 assists, combining to be able to shoot about 38% from three, so they've been able to do a good job. Now, Donovan Dutrieve has been missing the last few games for the team, a guy that this year is averaging right around 9 points and 4.5 rebounds per game, so that takes a little bit of something out of them in the backcourt. Now, Malid and Armas has been able to give you 8 rebounds per game, so should be able to do a good job there, but I do think that Keyshawn Justice is going to be able to match up down low, guy that is very versatile at six foot seven with 15 points, 8 boards, 3 assists, shooting 45.5% from 3-point range. You take a look at Jalen Wilson, and He's been able to chip in there for Santa Clara. Right around 19.5 points per game. P.J. Pipes gives the team another 11.5. Both of these guys shoot right around 36% from three-point range as a collective Santa Clara. Shoot 77% at the line, 37.5% from three-point range with right around six steals per game with Williams being the main contributor with that. With Varankic being out of the fold, it has caused this team to look to Parker Brown a little bit more. The transfer from Missouri has been relatively solid. 10 points, 6 boards per game. You take a look at him, it can be a little bit more hit or miss, but at least 8 points in each other team's last 5 games, so he's been starting to even out a little bit with that regard. I still think that Santa Clara is going to be a little bit behind the 8-ball when it comes to being able to match up with just the sheer size. They have with Malia and Armas and company down low, so I did wind up saying Boise State as a 3-point favorite, but with Boise State and their free throw shooting woes, I cannot trust them in a spread like this. I wound up setting Santa Clara as a 3-point underdog, so taking the points, I think the Boise State gets their style, and that's really, really stinking slow. So, said this all at 131, so diving under as well. 633, 634 on the bang board. Alabama is going to be in the road to face off against Memphis. Memphis is a three and a half point underdog with your total on this game between 155 and 156. I did wind up saying Memphis as a two-point favorite. I know that this was a shock to many people out there on Twitter yesterday, but... Take a look at Memphis, and I think that they're going to be up for this game. This is a team that, with regards to talent and talent alone, you take out the coaching, you take out everything else, they're a top 10 team in all of college basketball. Now, we know that coaching winds up being layered in this one, and Nate Oates, he is a better coach than Penny Hardaway. That is shown through, but I do think that Memphis is going to be able to get all their guys firing in all cylinders. You do have Amani Bates, who still is able to give you 11 points per game, one of the better players in all of college basketball when he's right. You've got Jalen Duran, who I think is going to be the best little post player in this game as well. 
10 and a half points, 8 rebounds, 3 blocks per game. You need someone like a Charles Padeco to be a matchup with him down low. I think that that's going to be a little bit tough. And for Alabama, a big key for this team is going to be free throw shooting, guys. They only shoot 67% of the free throw line. You take a look at it, and among their top 8 scores, you've got two guys that are shooting above 67% at the free throw line. That is a big, giant issue when it comes to them. And for Alabama, they are shooting right around 35% from three-point range. Jaden Shackelford, Javon Quinterly, these guys are combining for a little bit over 34 points per game. Shackelford is actually your top rebounder with right around 7 boards per game. And Deion Ellis has been able to do a nice job with right around 11 points, 6 half boards, steal and a half per game. So he's been able to do a good job there. And Alabama has been able to lessen their turnovers a little bit. When it comes to Alabama, they are going to need to force steals because that is the kryptonite of Memphis. But they don't necessarily force a lot of them despite being up-tempo only about 6 half steals per game now with Memphis. 18.6 turnovers per game is costly, but I do think that you're going to have DeAndre Williams firing in all cylinders. He's only shot 15% from three-point range this season after shooting 45-plus percent each of the last two seasons. He's been able to give the team 10 points, 5 rebounds. I think that he steps up along with someone like a Landers and Tyler Harris out there in the backcourt. A pair of guys give you between 14 and 14 and a half points per game as a duo. So I take a look at the spot. I think that Memphis has the talent to be able to win this game. I think that they're going to try to win from within. I think that they take care of the ball. Set this all at 150 54 and a half. You've got a Memphis team that plays very fast, but they are one of the most efficient defenses in all of college basketball. So I take a look at the under, and I'm going to be taking Memphis outright. I'm taking them on the money line. 635, 636 on the betting board. Oregon State is going to be playing us at UC Davis. UC Davis finds themselves a six point underdog in your tallest game is anywhere between 137 and a half and 138. When it comes to Oregon State, it's certainly been a rough ride for this team. I don't think that they're going to wind up losing this game outright, but you got a UC Davis team that we've seen the best of them and we've seen the worst of them. UC Davis let off the season, being able to get a road win against Utah State, and then they also lost to the Academy of the Arts. So, you've certainly got a wide array of different things that you could wind up getting from UC Davis, but as a man, Jen, out there in the backcourt, to be able to give the team 11 points, 3 boards, 3 assists, shooting 40% from 3-point range, and Elijah Pepper has been peppering in there, 46% 3-point shooting with 15.5 points, 4.5 boards, 2.5 assists. He's been able to do a terrific job for this team. Rebounding, not necessarily the strong suit of this team, and I do think that Warwick Altiche going to be the little post player in this game. For Oregon State, he's been able to chip in there 12.5 points, 7.5 rebounds per game. He's able to give you a little bit over a block per contest, but take a look at Oregon State. They shoot 66% the free throw line and 29% from 3-point range. Meanwhile, you've got a UC Davis team that they shoot 35% from 3 now, 67% the free throw line. That's not necessarily great for them, but you're going to need to get more out of some of these ancillary pieces for Oregon State. Xavier Malone-Key winds coming in from Fairleigh Dickinson. He's only been able to give the team right around 2 points per game. Gerard Lucas has really needed to be the main outside shooter for this team, and it's making right around 30 8.5% of his threes, and you do have someone that's throwing out four assists with his eight points and four boards into Sean Davis, but you can tell that Davis seems to be in a little bit too far over his head. I think that it's a game in which Oregon State is finally going to be able to get a win, but I could only set them as a 4.5 point favorite. I have massive concerns with them at the free throw line. They're going to have a little bit of an advantage down low, the Beavers are, but at the same time UC Davis has a good veteran backer to be able to keep themselves alive, and neither of these offenses have necessarily been too efficient recently. Set this all at 134, so diving under to go along with the points with UC Davis. This is the last game on the normal Las Vegas betting board before we hit the extra games. 637-638 on the betting board. Pacific is going to be playing us to UC Santa Barbara. The Gauchos are finding themselves as between a 2 and 2.5 point favorite in your Toronto's game as 134.5 to 135.5 set Santa Barbara as a 2.5 point favorite myself. At 2.5, I'd be willing to lay the 2.5 before I'd be willing to take it. I need a 3 plus to really be able to buy in on Pacific and especially if you're able to get a 2. I do like UC Santa Barbara in this spot because you do take a look at Santa Barbara 
I think that they're going to be able to win the battle down the That'd be with Amandu So. So has been more than so-so. He's been able to do an absolutely terrific job being able to give this team a little bit under 20 points per game. He's been able to reel in there right around 8 to 9 rebounds per game. So has been able to do a nice job there. Now, Alfonso Anderson does wind up coming in from Utah State and he's been solid for Pacific. Shooting 34.5% from 3, 11 points, 7.5 rebounds, a steal per game. So he's been able to do a nice job of being able to flow that offense. And then you've got A.J. Mitchell on the flip side for Santa Barbara. He's able to give out 4.5 assists per game and Pierre Cockrell is able to do the same for Pacific. But when it comes to what you've been able to get out of Mitchell, he's been able to do a better job recently of being able to give this team more facilitation with four plus assists and now four of the team's last five games. So he's been getting better and better as the season has went along. And then you've got Mr. Pierre-Louis, Mr. Josh Pierre-Louis, who winds coming in from Temple, who's been able to give this Santa Barbara team 10 points per game, a guy that has a shot well from three-point range, but that's why you've got Kelvin Weisart shooting 90% of the line, 55% per three with his nine points per game. You've got a Pacific team that they themselves have been able to do a little bit better job of controlling the ball right around 13 and after an over game, but they've been lessening that as games have went along. But you do have Jeremiah Bailey being able to shoot 44% from three, 13 and a half points per game, but he's been dealing with a little bit of an ailment along Luke Andolvich. Andolvich has now played since December 1st. He's shooting 50% from three with 10 points per game, so that is a little bit of an ailment that I think could wind up hurting Pacific in this game, so as a result, instead of more around a pick'em line, set you see Santa Barbara as a two and a half point favorite, so one to late here, and I set this all at 131. You've got a Santa Barbara team that you're in and you're out there towards the bottom 100 with regards to possessions per game. They're more around 225 right now. Now, but I think that they're going to get a little bit slower as the season goes along. So diving under and laying it here with Santa Barbara, we move on now to the extra games. The normal betting board picks are complete, but there are some extra games today, so we go into the bonus. We go in Las Vegas Station order with these as well. This begins with 306-0013-6002. You've got Louisville, and they're going to be playing us to Southeast Louisiana. Southeast Louisiana, anywhere between 21.5 and 22-point underdogs with your total on this game. Anywhere between 138 and 138.5 when it comes to Louisville. I wound up saying them as a 21-point favorite, so, I mean, it's not too far off from my line, but I think we've went a little bit too far with Louisville. I still have my question marks when it comes to this team. You've got a bunch that they don't shoot it well from three-point range. As a collective, 29.5% for three, 68.8% at the free-throw line with two guys being able to give you more than 10 points per game. No lock, Malik Williams. Now, Williams is a guy that I love down low. 10.5 points, 9.5 rebounds, 1.8 steals per game. Lock, though, he's seen a little bit of a fall-off with regards to his scoring. Towards the beginning of the year, was white off from three, now shooting about 34% from three. Has given the team six points or fewer in three of his last five games. You take a look down low outside of Williams, and Samuel Williamson has been a big giant bust of Rooney. He and Jalen Withers are combining for 12 points, 10 boards. So both of those guys have been able to do a relatively solid job there. And Louisville does generate eight steals per game, but you take a look at Southeast Louisiana. Keon Clergeau, I think, is going to be able to do a good job of moving the offense. 12 points, three and a half assists, steal and a half per game overall. You got Southeast Louisiana shooting 35% from three, 73 and a half percent the free throw line. So these guys have been relatively rock solid. Gus Okafor, 13 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, has been terrific. And then you've got someone who's hitting the glass in Jalen Hinton. He's been doing a nice job, 12 and a half points, seven and a half boards per game. A guy that, if you take a look at him in his last five games, has given the team nine plus in every one of them, seven plus rebounds in each of the last four. So I think that that'll keep Southeast Louisiana within shouting distance in this one. You've got a Louisville team playing very slow, a Southeast Louisiana team that they themselves don't necessarily take great care of the ball, but get nine and a half sales per game. So I think we get a little bit of a sloppier game. Going with the under, as I said, my total at 135. And 
willing to take 22 here with Southeast Louisiana as I made this line 21. 306003, 306004. Stony Brook is going to be playing against the Central Connecticut State. Central Connecticut State finds themselves between 15.5 and 16 point underdogs in your Tallens game. Between 138 and 138.5. Central Connecticut State has been one of the biggest dregs in all of college basketball. I think that their misery is going to continue as I wound up sending them as a 17.5 point underdog. I do take a look at the Stony Brook team and I've been very impressed by what I've seen out of them this year. They've been dealing with having Elijah Olani out of the fold for quite a while. He's only played in three games this season, but you take a look at Takai Green. He's been a stat sheet suffer for the same. 10 points, 7.5 points, shooting 39% from three-point range. It's a Sony Brook team that's a little bit shaky at the line, but they only turn the ball over 10.7 times per game, shooting 35% from three, with Jaleel Jenkins really being able to headline this team recently. Came in from Fairleigh Dickinson, 14 points per game, 2.5 assists, but you take a look at his last five, 12 plus in every one of them. He's been able to give the team two plus steals in three out of his last four games as well. Anthony Roberts is able to give you 15 points per game now down low. This is a team that is not necessarily terrific with regards to rebounding, but Frankie Porcelli has been able to give you eight points, four and a half rebounds, shoots in the high 30s from three point range. And for Central Connecticut State, this is a team that they're getting just completely blasted on the glass. Andre Snooty has been able to give you 6.6 rebounds per game. And Nigel Scantleberry has been able to chip in there 11 points, three assists, so he's been able to do a nice job. Also shooting 48% from three point range, but as a collective Central Connecticut State, shoots 31% from distance, 65.5% at the free throw line. They do wind up getting right around 6.5 steals per game, so yes, that's a little bit of something for the team, but this has really been a Central Connecticut State team that's been one of the least efficient on offense this season, and they have been just not great on defense as well. I do think that Stony Brook is going to be able to run it up, and I think that they're going to do a good job of being able to force quite a few turnovers, and I think that just sheer athleticism is going to wind up dooming Central Connecticut State in this spot as well. Set Stony Brook is a 17.5 point favorite one in the late here and made this all 135 now so diving under we move on to 306005 East Tennessee State is going to be playing against the North Carolina A&T. A&T finds themselves an 11 to 11.5 point underdog with your total 137. I wound up setting A&T as a 9 point underdog. Now, when it comes to East Tennessee State in the backcourt, I do like what you're able to get out of David Sloan. A guy that's able to give you 4 assists per game has been shooting very well from 3 point range. Able to give you double figures, but then you take a look at North Carolina A&T and I do think that you're going to see Cameron Langley come out of his swoon. He has only been able to give the team 5 points and right around five and a half assists per game this season during the 2019-20 season. He led off college basketball with regards to assists per game in conference play last year at ten and a half points, six and a half assists, five boards, 2.7 seals per game. He just hasn't been the same player thus far as he scored four points or fewer in each of the team's last four games. You've had a little bit of a layoff for this team, so I do think that that's going to do him a little bit of good. And then you take a look at the rest of A&T, and you do have Demetra Corton along David Beattie, who have been able to combine for 21 points per game. Horton has been able to give you four and a half boards, and has been able to shoot 42% for three-point range overall. A&T shoots 62.5% the free throw line, but they do a good job of being able to give you some steals, 9.2 per contest. And you've got an East Tennessee State team that take a look at them, and they haven't necessarily been the world's most efficient team with regards to holding on to the ball. 13 turnovers per game with a slow tempo. Not necessarily great. They do shoot 81% the free throw line. That is very big. As you've got the Brewers and Ladarius Brewer along. Ty Brewer doing a nice job. Ty has been able to give you 8 points, 6 half boards, and a seal on half per game. Ladarius, more around 13 points, 5 boards, 1.6 steals per game. Both of these guys shoot about 30% per three, and Jordan King, the transfer from Siena, has been able to shoot 38% per distance, but I do think that North Carolina a is going to do a good job of pumping up their tempo, much like they did a few years ago. You 
you notice that as the season goes along, AT typically gets a little bit faster, but you got an East NDC State team that they play very slow. I think the things are going to get a little bit sloppy in this game, so I did wind up making this East NDC State laying nine. So here at double digits, going to be willing to take the points with AT, set this total at 135 as well. So diving under 306007, You've got Tennessee, and they're going to be playing us a USC upstate. Upstate is between a 33 and 34 point underdog in your Tons game. It's between 138 and 138 and a half. I was lay up to 30 here with Tennessee. I think that Tennessee should be able to dominate this game. I think that they are much better, but I do think that you're going to see someone for USC Upstate be in the zone, and that'd be Bryce Mazzone. He's been able to give the team 13 and a half points. He's chipping in there right in the neighborhood about four and a half rebounds, two assists per game. A guy that's able to shoot 35% from three-point range. He's been able to give the team double figures in four out of the last five, so he's been able to do a nice job there, and then you take a look at Tennessee, and out there in the backcourt, you've got two dominant scores, Kennedy Chandler, Santiago Vescovi. They're combining for 28 and a half points per game. They've been able to combine for a little bit over eight assists per game as well, shooting a combined 37% from three-point range. Tennessee is a collective. They shoot 33% from three 10.8 turnovers. You saw them do a terrific job in that game against UNC Greensboro. Greensboro was just completely bottled up, scoring only 36 points. Now, you got an upstate team that they themselves have not necessarily been terrific on offense, but I think that they'll be able to do a little bit more now. They're going to be decimated down low. John Fulkerson has been able to give this team six and a half rebounds per game, so Tennessee I think is going to be able to win that battle down low, but Josh Aldrich has been able to give you right around five boards per game. He's been able to shoot right around 93% of the line, 36% from three, so good versatility there with upstate. They do commit right around 14 turnovers game, but Delvin White has been able to give you 7 points per game, and then you've got Jordan Ganey who's been able to give you 10 points, 4 boards, shooting 48% for 3, White more around 41% for distance, so I do think that 3-point shooting is going to be able to keep USC upstate within shouting distance. Tennessee has been finding a little bit more offensive efficiency ever since they did wind up having that ugly game that they wound up playing a few days ago, which it was just a complete and utter brick fest, to be honest with you, against Texas Tech. So, I did wind up saying the total at a 142.5. I think that things are going to become a little bit more open, Jim, in the second half, but could only set Tennessee as a 30.5 point favorite. So, taking the points, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. 306009, You've got Troy, and they're going to be playing with Alabama AM. AM is between an 11.5 and a 12 point dog, and your total is between 128 and 129. Set Troy as a 9 point favorite. So, your double figures, willing to take a shot here on Alabama AM. Now, when it comes to Alabama AM, what you're not going to be finding with this team is a whole lot. Of three point shooting as as a collective. This team shoots right around 26.5% from distance, but you've got two dominant scores on this team. Garrett Jalen Johnson. They're able to combine for 28.5 points per game. Johnson, right around 7.3 rebounds per game. Hicks is able to give you 2.3 steals per game. And as a collective, Alabama AM, right around eight steals per game. Four say do turn the ball for 13.5 times per game. Neither great nor terrible. Cameron Tucker has been the main facilitator for this team. Three and a half points and five and a half points per game. You are going to need to get a little bit more out of some of these ancillary pieces like EJ Williams, but take a look at Troy and they certainly have their deficiencies as well. They're a team that they actually rank in the top 30 with regards to possessions per game, but they're not efficient because they wind up committing 16 turnovers per game. Now, they get 10 steals per game, but they only shoot as well. 65% of the free throw line. Now, I will say, their top four scorers all shoot at least 70% 70% free throw line, but a lot of these guys, they've been out of the fold. You've only had out there for four games Duke Miles, who has been dealing with an ailment. He is now back in the fold. has been able to give the team nine plus points in his last three games back, so that has been solid. Zay Williams, he has been dealing with a little bit of an injury as well, but he should be good to go on this one. Wound up having 12 points, five boards, and four assists in the team's last game, so that's something that you do like to see, and Effie Odigi has been able to give you 12.6 half rebounds per game, but when it comes down to it, I do think that three-point shooting is going to be a big giant woe when it comes to this team. They do have some solid rebounding as well. You take a look at 
at someone like a Nick Sampley, he's able to give you four boards per game, but I do think that Alabama A&M is going to be able to force quite a few turnovers. I think that you're going to be seeing an up-tempo yet sloppy game in this one, so I wanted to say in the total of 137 just because you do have a pair of teams that rank in the top 40 with regards to possessions per game, so when you wind up getting so many possessions, you're just bound to be able to find a couple points, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and with Troy, could only make them a nine-point favorite, so take a double digits here with Alabama A&M. 306 Zero eleven through six zero twelve. You've got Cincinnati, and we are into Cincinnati as they play us to Florida A and M. A and M is finding themselves a nineteen point underdog with your total between one twenty eight and one twenty eight and a half. We've went too far on the hate for Florida A and M. It's a spot in which I want to make them more around a thirteen point underdog with Cincinnati. I do like what I've seen out of this team thus far on defense, but at the same time, it is a Cincinnati team that they shoot as a collective just below thirty percent from three point range. It's not like they're generating a lot of seals. This is a Florida A and M team that you know what they're going to do. They're going to look to get the ball inside. With regards to points that come from three-point shots, they are one of the lowest teams in all of college basketball and have been the last few years, but you've got a guy in MJ Randolph who's going to be able to take over the game. 18 points, six half rebounds, four assists, three steals per game, shooting right around 32% from three himself. You take a look at the backcourt, and you've had Cameron Reeves be able to give you eight and a half points, two assists, two steals per game, so he does a good job of being able to move the pendulum forward for the team. Obviously, it comes back as well, but I always like that Cam Newton phrase, but you do take a look at the flip side for Cincinnati, and you do have David Julius doing a good job in the backcourt with right around 13 points per game. It's always been a guy that doesn't turn the ball over a heck of a lot, and for Cincinnati, they only turn the ball over 10 times per game, but they also shoot at a 66% clip at the free throw line. It's not like they're completely decimating on the glass either. You've got 5.5 rebounds per game out of Victor Layen, who's been able to give you 7.5 points per game, so he's been able to do a nice job there, but I do think that it's a game in which Cincinnati should be able to win, and win relatively comfortably, but it's going to be a really slow, grimy game, and Florida A&M, they have proven that they're able to hang in there with some good competition over the last few years. You saw that against Kansas State last year. They had a nice cover against Oregon. They were able to play a really solid game against UC Riverside as well. So I'm very comfortable taking the points in this spot. Also wound up saying this total at 127. So you're at 128 to 128 and a half. Diving under to go along with the points. 306013, 306014. LSU is going to be playing us in Northwestern State. The Demons are a 31 and a half point underdog and your total on this game is 145. LSU has been a top two team in all of college basketball with regards to points a lot on a per possession basis, and they have been terrific. Now, Tari Eason and Kendall Coleman are going to be doing battle down low. You've got Coleman for Northwestern State giving you 16 points per game, more around 15 and a half for Eason. You've been able to get right around seven and a half rebounds per game out of Coleman. You take a look at Eason, more around seven and a half himself. And then Darius Days has been able to do a great job with 15 points, eight boards, six foot seven stretch player that's shooting 38% from three point range. So he has been nothing short of tremendous for this team. Both teams have a good facilitator as well. Xavier Pinson, five assists per game with right around 10 points per contest. Brian White, not necessarily a great scorer for Northwestern State, but four assists are right around two turnovers per game. He shoots 50% from three, which obviously indicates a small sample size, but he's able to do a nice job there. When it comes down to it for this... Northwestern State team, a big key for them. It's going to be LJ Owens. He's been able to give the team 7.5 points, 3.5 rebounds. He's someone that has been able to knock down threes when he's taking them, but has taken a very small amount of them. Now, Northwestern State, 15 turnovers per game. That's not necessarily ideal. You take a look at LSU. With regards to steals per game, they are generating 12.5, so I do think that things are going to be a little bit more sloppy, but I do think that Northwestern State is going to be able to do enough to hold within this game. I think that they're going to be able to do an okay job on the glass. I certainly think that they still wind up losing the rebound battle, but here at 30 points, 
plus. I think that we went a little bit too far. I set this line at more around a 26. I do think that LSU is going to be pumping up their tempo just a tad. So I do wind up setting this total at 146 as well. You've got a Northwestern State team that they are not afraid to run. And I think that we've just went a tad bit too far with LSU, though. I think that they still win this game comfortably. And Carvel Tessit, who wound up seeing his first action of the season for Northwestern State in their last game, nine points, and that could be a little bit of an X factor. So going to be taking a look at the points here with Northwestern State. Set this total at 146, so we're going to be going over as well. 306-015, 306-016. You've got Hartford, and Hartford is going to be playing us to St. Francis of Pennsylvania. St. Francis is a one and a half point underdog with your total between 148 and 148.5. Made Hartford a five-point favorite. When it comes to St. Francis, Pennsylvania, they have pumped up their tempo, and Ramir Dixon-Conover has been really the head of the sink for this team. Right around 14.5 points, 5.5 boards, 4 assists, 2 seals per game, a stat sheet suffer, but not a guy that's really able to knock it down from 3-point range. When you take a look at St. Francis, they have a collective shoot about 32% from 3-point range. The 12 turnovers per game, not great, not terrible. They do force right around 8 seals per game in return as well, and you do have a couple guys who are able to do a solid job down low for this team. You've been able to get right around 13 points, 7 rebounds per game out of Josh Cohen. Mark Flagg is able to give you 6.5 rebounds per game has been dealing with a little bit of an ailment recently though, so that does wind up giving them a little bit of a downgrade, and then you take a look at Austin Williams on the flip side for Hartford. He does it all for this team. 15.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, a guy that doesn't shoot it well from 3-point range, but behind him, the next top 4 scorers for this team shoot at least 34.4% from 3-point range. Moses Flowers, Hunter Marks both give you between 11 and 11.5 points per game. You take a look at DJ Mitchell, and DJ turn it up. He's been able to give the team 2.5 points with right around 8.5 points per contest while shooting 36% from 3-point range. Jared Kimbrough has been dealing with a little bit of an injury, but when he's been out there, has been able to give the team right around five rebounds per game as he transferred from LaSalle. And wound up returning in the team's last game against UNLV didn't necessarily have a big impact on that game as he wound up fouling out, so it wasn't necessarily due to ailment, but I think that he should be a little bit more effective in this game as well. I think that that's going to hurt a St. Francis of Pennsylvania team that it feels like they're going to be getting a little bit more out of control. You take a look at St. Francis of Pennsylvania, right around 12 turnovers per game, but I attribute that a little bit more to the competition that they've been playing, and when it comes to this St. Francis of PA bunch, I think that they're going to have a tough time matching up with the size that Hartford is able to present on the wing, so it's a spot in which I wound up setting Hartford as a five-point favorite. I do think that you wind up getting late game following, but I think that this is a game that Hartford is going to look to rein in a little bit more when they wound up making the NCAA tournament last year. They were very successful with slowing games down, so I do think that they're going to be looking to do that here as well. Set this all at 146, so diving under and laying the points with Hartford. 306-017, UAB is going to be playing us to Grambling. Grambling is a 25 to 25 and a half point underdog with your total at 136 and a half. I think that UAB should be a sizable favorite, but I could only make them a 21-point favorite. When it comes to Grambling, you do have some redeeming qualities when it comes to this team, as they are a very good three-point shooting team. Now, when it comes to Grambling, they certainly do have a little bit of a deficiency when it comes to their free-throw shooting, as you do have Cam Christian, who's been able to do a great job in the backcourt for this team. He and Dayon Kingsby are able to give you a combined 24 and a half points per game, both of these guys. Combined to shoot 46% from three, as Grambling shoots 34 and a half percent from three, 68% free-throw line. Big thing is turnovers, 16.7 turnovers per game. You do have a UAB team that they themselves are terrific at being able to take the ball away. 13 steals per game, so they certainly have been there with that regard. Quan Jackson has been able to give you 12 points per game. He generates 2.6 steals per game, and you take a look at it. Each of the top five scores right now for UAB give you at least 1.3 steals per game, including KJ Buffin, the Ole Miss transfer, 9.5.6 rebounds, so has been able to lock it down down low. Now you take a look at UAB, they've been able to pump up their tempo a little bit more, and they've been relatively efficient on offense. Michael Ertel has been able to give you 10.5 points per game. You've also had Jordan Walker coming and give the 
the team, 16 points, 5 assists per contest, but what I think is going to be big for Grambling is trying to be able to hold in there on the glass, and you do have a guy in A.J. Taylor who's been able to give the team 11 points, 7.5 rebounds per game, so has been able to do a nice job there. Has been able to give the team a block and a half per game as well. 10 plus rebounds in 3 of the team's last 4 games. I think that that's going to be very important along with Prince Boss being able to step up last year. He wanted to give the team 9.5 points per game, shot 46% from 3, just 6.5 points per game, shooting 22% from 3-point range. I think that he's going to be able to find a little bit more now when it comes to UAB. I think that they're going to be able to generate a bunch of turnovers, but I think that that's going to cause things to be a little bit more up-tempo. Set this total 143, so I'm going to be going over and could only make UAB a 21-point favorite, so looking to take 25-plus here with Grambling. 306-019, 306-020. Duke is going to be playing us to South Carolina State. South Carolina State is finding themselves a 36-half to a 37-point underdog in your tallest game is 150-half. I made Duke a 37-half-point favorite, so I'm willing to lay it here. Now, when it comes to South Carolina State, about a week and a half ago, they were able to get a nice win over South Florida, but I think that they're just going to be completely outgunned in this game as you've got a Duke team that you've got Paulo Bonchero. He's been able to do absolutely amazing things when it comes to this team. 18 points, 7.5 rebounds, able to shoot threes as a big man. Now, you do have Cameron Jones for the South Carolina State team. 11.5 points, right around four boards. Just not a great three-point shooter. I actually shot 45% from three last season, but very small sample size. You're going to need Ed Oliver Hampton to do a solid job down those 7.5 points, seven boards per game. Omar Croxley has been able to give you four boards per game as well. And this is a South Carolina State team that they are shooting right around 32% from three. They've cut down on the turnovers a little bit, but it's still at 14 per game. You take a look at this Duke bunch, and they're generating right around nine steals per game. You've got Wendell Moore who can go off for a triple-double on any given night. 18.6 half rebounds, five and a half assists, two steals per game. And you've got a Duke team that they themselves have been highly efficient with regards to turnovers on a per-possession basis. One of the best teams in all of college basketball, eight and a half turnovers overall per game. You've got a guy in Mark Williams who's able to give you three blocks per game. I think that this is just going to be way too much for South Carolina State to deal with. Willing to lay up to 37 half here when it comes to Duke, so I'm going to be looking to lay the points. I think that just due to the efficiency, due to Duke playing up-tempo and not turning the ball over, they're going to be able to score points aplenty in this game. Set this all at 155, so going to be going over along playing the points with Duke. 306 0 Southern Miss is going to be playing us at Jacksonville. Jacksonville is finding themselves a one-and-a-half point underdog with your total 127. Set this total 127.5. I do think that there's going to be some late game following to be able to push this total over. And I have not been one to necessarily take Southern Miss too much, but I'm going to do so in this spot. When it comes to Jacksonville, they just commit too many turnovers with regards to turnovers on a per possession basis. One of the lesser teams of college basketball, 15.5 per game now. They have been getting back. KV on Nolan has played in three games this season. He's been able to give the team nine points per game while he's been out there and one off for 17 in the team's last game against UNC Wilmington. But he is very much a hit or miss guy. Now, Jordan Davis, who is coming in from Middle Tennessee, uh, right around 11 points, four boards. He's been able to do a nice job, and Jacksonville, as a collective, shoots 33% from three-point range, but they don't necessarily have a lot down low, and I think that Southern Miss is going to be able to win this game down low, as you've been able to get nine boards right in the neighborhood, about 12 points per game out of Tyler Stevenson. Isaiah Moore comes in from St. John's, 13 points, seven boards, a guy that doesn't necessarily shoot a bunch of threes, but he's able to pop it from three when he needs to. Tay Hardy has been out of the fold. This has been the team's top score with right around 14 points per game, has missed the last two games, so that's a little bit of an issue, but I do think that Jaron Pierre Jr. is going to be able to step in. He's going to be able to do a nice job. A guy that's been able to give the team six points right around three boards per game has been an intermissary point shooter. He was looking relatively solid last year, has sputtered a little bit this season, but I also think that you're going to need to get more out of Mo Arnold as well. The transfer from Jacksonville was really an afterthought towards the beginning part of the season. A guy that last year, while he was at Jacksonville, had seven points, five boards per game, so I'm expecting a little bit more out of him moving forward, and I do think that with Southern Miss, they're not necessarily going to be able to win in the backcourt, but I think that they're going to be able to do a good job down low, and the good news for them is that they're facing off against the Jacksonville team, that their tough facilitator and Tommy Bruner only gives out two assists per game, so I think that you see two anemic back 
backwards, but I think that Southern Miss wins from within. Set this all at 127.5, so I'm going to be going over and set Southern Miss as a 2.5 point favorite, so willing to lay the points. 306-023, 306-024. Northern Iowa is going to be playing against Jackson State. Jackson State finds themselves as between a 13.5 and a 15 point underdog with your total 126. I do think that this is going to be a slowdown game, but I think that Jackson State is going to be able to hold in there. Set them as a 12.5 point underdog, and when it comes to the total, set it at a 128, just because you do have a Northern Iowa team that you do have a couple good sharpshooters when it comes to this team with this Northern Iowa bunch. A.J. Green is really the guy that you got to be watching out for because with A.J. Green, prior to him going down with injury last season, he was one of the better mid-major players in all of college basketball and he's been able to pick it up recently. 16.5 points, 4.5 boards, shooting 39.5 percent from three-point range. Had a couple rough goes of it in the first part of the season, but 16 plus points and now three of the team's last four games. You take a look outside of him and you've got Austin Fife, someone who stands right in the neighborhood about 6'9", 6'10". He's been able to give the team eight points, four and a half boards per game. The big thing though is that he wound up missing that last game that the team wound up playing against Richmond, so he's a little bit questionable for this game. If he winds up playing, he's not going to be at 100%. Dre Barrow, he has been able to give the team eight points, five boards two seasons ago. He's absolutely tremendous. I've seen a little bit of more of a backup role this year. You've got a Northern Iowa team that has a collective shoot 36% from three-point range. Jackson State they do a solid job on defense. Thanks to JVM McKinnis doing a nice job down low. 11.5 points, 10 rebounds per game. Gabe Watson has been the main scorer for the team, but got to figure that he's going to be out once again. Has missed the last few games for the team. Has only played in four games overall this season. That means that you're going to look a little bit more to Chance Moore. Chance Moore has been taking a chance on some threes, and he's been hitting them at a 37% clip. He's been able to give the team eight points per game now. He himself has been limited recently as well, so you want to be noting that he might be out with a little bit of an ailment as well, but when it comes to backcourt, you still have Jonah James along Ken Evans. These two guys combined to be able to give you 12.5 points per game with Evans. Shoots 43.5% from three-point range. I think that this game is going to be a little bit more grimy, but I think that both teams are going to be able to knock down a couple threes. Northern Iowa has actually kicked up their tempo from past years as well. So I'm taking a look at this spot with Northern Iowa as a 15-point favorite. I think that it's gone a little bit too far. Was only willing to lay up to 12.5 here. So taking a look at the over as I set this out at 128 and taking the points with Jackson State. 306, 025, 306, 026. Drexel is going to be playing us to point underdog with your total house game 146 and a half. When it comes to Coppin State, certainly has been a team that has been playing a bunch of really difficult games that I think that they're going to be up against it against Drexel because you do have winter time when it comes to Drexel. Cameron Winter is able to give you 14 points, 5 boards, 4 assists. A guy that last year wound up shooting right around 41% from three-point range. That's down to 29% this season, but you take a look outside of him, and you've got James Butler averaging a double-double. 15 points, 10 boards, compensate. Just not going to be able to match up with that. You do have Tyree Corbett, who's been able to give you 13.5.7.5 rebounds. You take a look at him recently, and he's really been able to emerge. The Elkhorn State transfer has at least 15 points in each other team's last five games, at least eight boards in each other team's last four, so that has been very good for this team. Nanda Turkey has been able to give you 11.5 points, six boards, three seals. That's been one of the better marks in all of college basketball, but when it comes to this compensate team, they only shoot right around 29% from three-point range. They play at a top 65 pace with regards to possessions per game, but I think that Xavier Bell, along with Malik Martin out there in the backcourt, going to be a little bit too hot for them to handle. you got these two guys combining to be able to give you 20.8 points per game, and with Martin, shoots 43% from three as a little bit of a stretch player compensate one of the least efficient defenses in all of college basketball. I think that that is going to show in this game as I set the sold at 148. So I'm willing to take the over. I'm willing to lay up to 14 here with Drexel because I do think that James Belder is going to be the most dominant player down low. So laying the points and taking the over. 306027, 28 Minnesota is going to be playing us to Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi is between a 16.5 and a 17.5 and and point underdog in your tallest game is 139 to 139.5 with Minnesota. This has been a very good team at being able to control 
control things. And I don't feel like bookmakers have adjusted enough to how big of a surprise this team has been. I really like what I'm seeing out of this Gophers team. Made them a 19-point favorite in this game because with Minnesota, you do have a guy in Jamison Battle who has been battling down low. 19 points, six half boards. Guy that shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range, but then you've got Peyton Wills. What is up, Wills? Along with EJ Stevens. These two guys combined to shoot 42% from three. You've been able to get right around 11 points out of Stevens per game. Peyton Wills, more around 16.5 points and 4.5 points, along 3.6 assists per game now. With Minnesota, not necessarily the world's greatest free throw shooting team among their top four scorers. Three of them shoot 68% or lower, but Eric Curry's been able to give you six boards per game. Luke Lowe is also able to give you three assists per contest. And then when it comes to Corpus Christi, you've had one guy really be able to emerge in Isaac Moshila. He has been able to give the team 15 points, nine boards. Shoots right around 33% from three as a 6 foot 5 combo player that winds up coming in from the lower level. You've also had Miles Smith be able to contribute 9.5 points per game. Now, I remember two years ago, shot 43% from three. It looks like that was a little bit of a flash in the pan as he's shooting more in the mid-30s this season. But you've got Travion Tennyson as well doing a good job in the backcourt, right around 10 points per game. But when it comes to rebounding, other than Mashila, you don't really have a lot when it comes to the team. You get right around 5.5 rebounds per game of Dave Lazarius Keys. But I think that Minnesota going to be able to do a good job down low. You've got a Corpus Christi team that they generate 10 seals per game, but they turn the ball over 14 and a half times per game. You've got a Minnesota team that they've done a great job taking care of the ball. 8.3 turnovers per game with regards to turnovers on a per possession basis. One of the best teams in all of college basketball. I think that they take care of the ball. Corpus Christi will not. So set Minnesota as a 19-point favorite as a result. I do think that there's going to be a lot of run-out layups to be had for Minnesota. So made this total 143 as well. So going over. 3-6-0-29, You've got Wichita State and they're going to be playing against Elkhorn State. Elkhorn State is finding themselves as a 20-point underdog in your tallest game. is between 127 and 129 when it comes to Elkhorn State. They've actually been able to hang in there against a very good competition and I think that they're going to be able to do so once again against Wichita State, a Wichita State team that they've been dealing with a little bit of ailment to tie ATN. You've noticed that he's been either playing or playing limited minutes in quite a few of the team's most recent games. You take a look at it, and he's given the team 11 points for fear and two out of the last three. Looked a little bit better in their game against Norfolk State, but he has been not necessarily looking like himself this year, shooting 31% from three-point range. Now, Ricky Council, he is shooting 50% from three with 10 points, four and a half boards, but you don't necessarily have a ton down low for the team as well. you got one guy that's giving more than 4.7 boards per game. That'd be Maurice Oduzzi, who's been able to give you 11.9 points, 5.9 rebounds per game. Now, I will say, Craig Porter has really been a designated rebounder for this team. Only right around 3.5 points per game, but he's able to do all three assists. He's able to give you 4-plus boards per game. And then you take a look at Alcorn State, and I do like the fact that you've got this team being able to force a couple turnovers. This is a team that, with regards to steals per game, it's given you 7.5. Now, they shoot 74.5% the free throw line, only about 29% from 3 and You don't have one alpha dog score. This is the textbook definition of the whole is great than the sum of its parts, as they've got eight guys averaging between 5.6 and 7.7 points per game with each of their top three scores, giving you at least four and a half rebounds per game. Lena Henry has been the top rebounder with seven boards to go along with his seven points per game. A little bit of a block per game as well. You don't necessarily have one guy that does a terrific job with regards to being able to handle the ball as they as a collective commit 14 turnovers per game, but no guy with really more than two. But what I think is going to be intriguing is what you're going to be able to get out of Morehead State transfer and Justin Thomas, who has been able to give the team three and a half assists per game, two seals per game, just does a great job as a scrappy defender. I think that you do wind up seeing a game in which it is going to be slow and controlled. I think that 127 half is a little bit too far. I set this out at 129, so seeing the 127 half on the board, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the over, but I think that Elkhorn State is going to be able to do just enough 
to be able to hang in there. Set them as a 19-point dog, so willing to take 20 with them. 306-031-306-032. Central Arkansas is going to be playing us a Little Rock. Little Rock is finding themselves as a 2-2.5-point road favorite, and your total on this game is between 149 and 149 Little Rock, it certainly has been a tough year for them to say the least, but I do think that Little Rock is just still better than Central Arkansas. I recognize that Central Arkansas had a home win earlier this season against Oral Roberts, but you take a look at the Central Arkansas bunch, and outside of Darius Hall, you don't have a lot. Hall, the transfer from DePaul, has been able to give you 12 points, 6 half rebounds, shooting 40% for 3, but Central Arkansas as a collective shoots 68.3% on the line, 27.8% for 3 with 17 turnovers per game. Each other top 3 scores are giving out at least 3.1 turnovers per game. Colin Cooper has been able to give you right around 10 points, 2 assists, and more than 3 turnovers per game. That's not great. Cameron Hunter gets right around 2 steals per game and 2.5 assists, but also 3.6 turnovers to go with along with his 11 points and 26% 3-point shooting in them for Little Rock. You do have Isaac Palermo in the backcourt giving you 13.5 points per game. This is a team that has been bludgeoned a little bit down low because Nikolai Medic has missed four games for the team. It looks like he's going to be out once again in this one. He's been the team's top rebound getter with right around 6.5 rebounds per game. So you're going to be looking to Kevin Asawi to be able to give you something down low. 7.5 points, 5.5 points for the six foot seven combo player who is shooting 37.5% from three-point range. His scoring has slowed down a little bit recently, but has been able to do a good job of being able to hold up on the glass. I do think that you're going to be able to get a little bit more moving forward out of D'Antoni Gordon. He was an afterthought at Wichita State, but has been able to give the team right around 4.5 boards, 10 points per game, so I do like what he's been able to bring to the table for the team, but you do take a look at Little Rock. They shoot 72.5% the free throw line. They themselves turn the ball over 15 times per game, but they do generate right around 8 seals per game. I think that you're going to get a sloppier game, and you do have a Central Arkansas team that they are not afraid to gun, and I do think that you wind up getting late game felling along with a quick style, so set this one at 153.5. I'm willing to take the over, and with Little Rock, set them as a 3.5 point favorite, so I'm willing to lay it with a road favorite here. 306-033, 306-034. Tennessee Martin is going to be playing us at UNC Asheville. Asheville is finding themselves a 4.5 point road favorite, and your turn on this game, it is 146.5. I set this line at 4.5 myself, so I'm going to be waiting on a little bit of a line move, but if it winds up being 4.5 and 4.5 and only, I'd be willing to lay it with Asheville before I'd be willing to take it with UT Martin because I do think that UNC Asheville has been a tad bit unlucky this season. I think that they are going to be able to bust out a little bit because you take a look at this UNC Asheville team and you've got a guy that I really like in Tayshaun Jones. He's been able to give the team 12.5 points per game. was relatively pedestrian at the beginning part of the season, but you take a look at what he's been able to do recently. He's been able to give the team 11 plus points in each other team's last five games. One of those games he only wanted playing nine minutes in, by the way, so that's relatively impressive but when it comes to LJ Thorpe as well. This is someone that shoots 33% from three. So they will give the team 11 points, 3.2 rebounds, 3.2 assists per game. Got an Asheville team that they don't force a lot of steals, but they don't turn the ball over a lot as well. So relatively efficient there. They shoot 35% from distance. And then when it comes to UT Martin, KK Curry should be able to do a solid job down low. 13.5 points, 6 half rebounds comes in from South Alabama as a collective. You've got Martin shooting right around 32% from three, but also 66.7% the free throw line, 13.5 turnovers per game. KJ Simon has done a good job of being able to facilitate the offense. 16.5 points, 6 boards, 2 steals, and a block per game. So, he's been able to be very versatile when it comes to the team. But, what are you going to be able to get out of some of these guys like a Michael Henderson? Henderson has come in from the 91 level. He's been able to give the team right around 7 points per contest. So, he's been able to do a nice job of mixing and shaking when it comes to the team. Chris Nix is able to give you 6 points, 4.5 rebounds per game, but you really lack a lot of pizzazz when it comes to UT Martin. I feel like with UNC Asheville, you had a team that was struggling at the beginning of the year. They're starting to click, and I do think that you're going to be able to get some good 
good things out of Drew Pember, who's been able to give the team 10 points, six boards as a six foot 10 combo player, who's given the team three and a half blocks per game. So I think that UNC Asheville owns the interior. Set the total at a 146.5, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I set my line at four and a half as well, but at four and a half, I'd be willing to lay it before I'd be willing to take it, but at five plus, we'll be willing to take a shot on Martin as well. 306035, 306036. UT Rio Grande Valley is going to be playing us to Texas Southern. Texas Southern is finding themselves a three point road favorite, and your total on this game it is 147 to 147.5. You got a Texas Southern team that they rank in the bottom 125 with regards to possessions per game. They've really been hanging their hat on defense, and I like what I've seen out of them. I want to make them a four point favorite because with UT Rio Grande Valley, they've been able to pump up their tempo, but when it comes to UT Rio Grande Valley, sometimes they play a little bit too fast for their own good. As a result, 16 and a half turnovers per game. You've got a guy that does a great job of creating in Justin Johnson. 19 and a half points, six boards, two and a half assists. She's 51% from three, but also commits four turnovers per game. Now you take a look at Ricky Nelson and his 69% three-point shooting Shocker, it is not it is not sustainable. 12 and a half points, four and a half assists per game. He's been able to do a nice job there, but I think the things are going to come back to earth a little bit there. Mike Adewanimi has been solid as a little bit of a stretch player for UT Rio Grande Valley. Comes in for best IU Edwardsville. Eight points, six and a half rebounds per game. But then you take a look at the flip side for the Texas Southern team. And Texas Southern, they know who they are. A team that doesn't shoot the ball from three well, only shoots right around 27.5% from three. But when it comes to points that they wind up getting off of made threes, they're in the bottom 25 in all of college basketball. So they look to pile drive it down low as you've got John Walker the third along with P.J. Henry and Jordan Carl Nicholas. All these guys give you a combined about 36 points per game. Walker and Nicholas both give you right around five and a half rebounds per game. You've been able to get a little bit of a block per game out of Walker the third as well. And then when it comes to Bryson Gresham, someone who wanted coming in from Houston, he has been able to do a great job down low being able to give this team six and a half points 8.3 rebounds per game as well. So I take a look at Texas Southern. The fact that they are able to go eight or nine deep. They're able to play this stout defense. I think that they're going to be able to control this game. Now Southern, they themselves commit right around 16 turnovers per game so I think that you're going to get a little bit of sloppier game a UT Rio Grande Valley team that they themselves are able to get only about 4.7 seals per game it's not going to be able to fully take advantage of those turnovers as well so I take a look at the spot set it at a 142 taking a look at the under and with Texas Southern I think that they wind up getting the job done in this game with their defense set them as a four point favorite so laying it here 306037 Texas is back to being a big favorite against Arkansas Pine Bluff Pine Bluff is a 34.5 point underdog and your draw on this game is 134 Considering Pine Bluff was north of a 40-point underdog against Baylor and could not cover, I actually consider this to be a little bit of a bargain. I wound up saying Texas as a 36-point favorite. Not often that I wind up saying that, but take a look at Timmy Allen, and he's been able to do a great job with Texas. 14 points, 6 half boards, 2.5 assists, shooting 44% from 3 as a collective. Texas, they get right around 9.5 steals per game. They shoot 37% from 3, 76% the free throw line. Now, you do have Sean Williams on the other side for Arkansas Pine Bluff, a guy that began his career as a starter at East Carolina, shooting 37% from 3, 91% the free the line, 15 points per game, but 10 points or fewer, and now three of the team's last four games, and as a result, Pine Bluff has been starting to get bludgeoned a little bit more. Pine Bluff has also been dealing with a couple of injuries. Daquan Morris is now back in the fold for the team. He's averaging 11 points in his three games back, so that is going to be able to help them out a little bit down low. You don't necessarily have a ton when it comes to this team. You do get eight and a half rebounds and nine and a half points per game out of six for five. A little bit of scrappy guy in Brandon Brown. Brown has been able to shoot about 27% from three-point range. You take a look at him recently, though, and he's given the team six rebounds or fewer in three of the team's last five games, so he's starting to regress, and when it comes to Pine Bluff as a collective, they shoot 28% from three now. They do shoot 75.5% the free throw 
line, but they don't necessarily generate a lot of turnovers. They turn the ball over 14 times per game as well. Texas, I just think, provides a big, giant mismatch with guys like Trey Mitchell being able to bury threes. Pine Bluff, one of the least efficient defenses in all of college basketball. Texas has been really doing a great job with their defensive efficiency and not playing fast, but I think that they're just going to have so many open shots that they all wind up going in. Set Texas as a 36-point favorite, so laying it here. And also want to make this total 144, so going to be going over as well. We wrap things up with 306-039-306-040. Auburn is going to be playing us to North Alabama. North Alabama is finding themselves a 27.5 point underdog with your total on this game, 139.5. It comes to North Alabama. And they are missing Emmanuel Littles from last year, a guy that was able to give the team 10 rebounds per game. So it really has become a little bit more of a mix and match sort of team in which you really have a lot of positionless basketball. When it comes to North Alabama, you do have a guy that's able to give you right around five boards per game in Damian Forrest. He's a six foot ten gentleman that is also shooting 92% free throw line. So I do like what I'm seeing there, but you've got Jamari Blackman along Daniel Ortiz. These two guys have been able to combine for 21 and a half points per game. Neither guy is necessarily prolific with regards to their scoring, but Ortiz is shooting 56% from three-point range as a collective. North Alabama hits their free throws. 80.5% free throw shooting. They generate nine steals per game, so that is solid. But Auburn, they themselves, they get nearly 11 steals per game, a bunch of which you've got a guy in Jabari Smith who's going to be a lottery pick. 17.5 points per game at 6'9", 6'10". Gives you 7 boards, 2.5 assists, 2 steals. Shoots 45% from 3-point range. They're doing this all, by the way, without their top scorer from last year and Alan Flanagan, so that makes it all the more impressive. Walker Kessler has been able to give the same 7 boards per game down low. Wendell Green Jr. along Katie Johnson are combined for 26.5 points per game. Green Jr., 4.6 assists, so only 2.2 turnovers per game, so Auburn has done a great job of being able to lock in there. When it comes to North Alabama, they are committing right around 13 and a half turnover free game, which isn't bad. It isn't great. I do think that they're going to be able to hold in there just enough because you do have someone like a Peyton Youngblood who's able to give you nine points per game. CJ Brim, eight and a half points per game. Both of these guys combined to shoot over 40% from three-point range. So I do think that North Alabama getting enough shots to be able to hang in there. North Alabama not playing at a very slow pace. Auburn, they themselves are in the top 30 with regards to possessions per game. So I do think that North Alabama hits enough shots to be able to hold in this game. Made this a 24-point line, so I'm going to be taking the points. Also made this over. 147 half, so going over. And that'll wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of Coast to Coast Soups. A big thanks to Ian McMillan over there with Bet Sided and the Bacon Bets podcast for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're up to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GRS41. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline and the other ways via an Apple Podcast review. If you're this podcast five stars it is very much appreciated and from there you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast by the five star review gonna be coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season which means i'm coming at you once again tomorrow thank you so much for tuning in